Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The Hollywood Reporter and Amazon Studios present Making the Ricardos Podcast, Episode 3, The Story, with Aaron Sorkin, J.K. Simmons, and Nina Arianda. First up, Aaron Sorkin. I'm Ted Brown with The Hollywood Reporter. I'm here with Aaron Sorkin. Aaron, welcome. Good to be here. Aaron, I wanted to ask you about your relationship with I Love Lucy, Lucio Ball, Desi Arnaz, before making this movie. You know, um, I, it, I don't think that you could really be alive uh, on the planet without coming into contact with, with I Love Lucy. Uh, you know, I've, I, I remember being homesick from school. Uh, and you could watch about four I Love Lucy reruns in a row. Um, but what I found out working on this movie is that there are people, many people who have a very intense relationship uh, uh, with, with Lucy Ricardo, with Lucy and Ricky, um, uh, with the friendship between Lucy and Ethel. And, uh, you know, one of, the, one, of, one of the motors behind making the movie, one of the things that got me interested in it was that uh, people have a very difficult time differentiating between Lucy and Ricky and Lucy and Desi, Lucille Ball and Lucy uh, Ricardo. And they're very different. Um, in, in the way that Charlie Chaplin doesn't look like Charlie Chaplin, because when people think of Chaplin, they think of the little tramp. Uh, uh, it's the same with the two Lucys. Lucy Ricardo doesn't look anything like Lucille Ball. You, you could almost walk by Lucille Ball and not realize that that was Lucille Ball. Sure. Uh, we were talking to <clears throat> JK and Nina earlier about playing these legendary supporting characters in, in, um, in front of Nethel, Bill Frawley and, uh, and Vivian Vance. And the table read scene came up a lot. And from the first sort of 30 minutes of the movie, and there's that tension that you had to go out of these two actors. They were sitting on the couch. They're, you know, very friendly with each other. There's a lot of chemistry. How did you bring that to life, that sort of tension point uh, on set? With those two actors, it, it wasn't difficult. Not that there was tension between the, the two actors. Uh, they're just, you know, when you, when you point a camera at great actors, good things uh, are going to happen. One thing I did is, you know, we, we keep referring to these as iconic characters. Uh, I tried to get everybody to forget that, that you're playing iconic characters, play the characters uh, uh, that are in the script. You know, iconic isn't actable and relieve yourself uh, of that pressure. And uh, honestly, I usually, I, 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 I'll kind of respond to what the actor is doing. I, I won't give them, usually won't give them an instruction right off the bat. I'll just, you know, let's read through it uh, and I'll respond to what they were doing. Well, they were doing everything it was like in my dream uh, when I was writing it. So all that had to happen was for Vivian, for Nina uh, Arianda, um, to kind of be hammering at Bill Frawley about this outrageous thing that this kid had to sign uh, a loyalty oath, um, and for Bill Frawley to, you know, try to be invisible, um, uh, and that would irritate her. And they were off to the races. I think J.K. as Bill Frawley saying you had to punch some kid, some seven-year-old kind yeah, of give us some funny things ever. <laughs> Just delivered perfectly. It was, yeah. it was great. 
Speaking of that, there was this incredible chemistry. Javier was here before talking about, you know, there was a lot of preparation that was done before everyone actually like, was able to get together on set and have this, you know, incredible chemistry with each mm -hmm. other. Were there any days on set uh, for shooting days that came to mind as sort of that sort of stood out where you saw these sort of sparks fly between all these people and said, oh, wow, this is going to be an incredible amount of organic chemistry between? There were a lot of days uh, uh, like that. Um, uh, it, you know, any Lucy Desi uh, scene. Uh, uh, it, you, you really enjoyed just, just watching it. And I, I would sometimes do an extra take or two beyond the point where I, I knew we were using take four. I don't need to use do take five or six. Um, uh, just cause I, I, I liked watching them do it. But one of the things that I remember, uh, because you, you mentioned preparation yeah. and a lot of that preparation, I wasn't aware that the two of them were doing, I was uh, listen, I would, as, as we started approaching the first day of production, I would send them, uh, the four of them, particularly though, uh, Nicole and, and Javier, I would just send them emails uh, uh, every day, just reminding them of certain things, just making sure that they're not nervous, that they're not, you know, I knew that, that they are playing these iconic characters and that they're going to be very exposed uh, uh, playing these, these characters. So uh, just telling them to, we're making the movie, we're going to have fun. I'm not looking for an impersonation uh, of anybody play the characters in the script. But uh, I, I didn't know that they were both preparing heavily uh, on their own behind my back. And so the first day that we shot an I Love Lucy scene, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which we just do little shards of, um, uh, I had carved out three or four hours that morning for Nicole and I to just stand by a playback monitor that was gonna show us that moment from I Love Lucy. Uh, and we were going to learn it together. Okay, she puts her right hand uh, on the mantelpiece right before she turns to Ethel uh, and does this. Nicole came knowing every inch uh, of the scene. Nicole just dove into that vat of grapes uh, and, and knew exactly what to do. Those were exciting moments. I mean, it's so interesting to see this. Uh, you have a deep background on television, obviously, and bringing something that was so seminal, both in the characters also the technical aspects of what our show is doing to, this, to the big screen. I mean, were there any difficulties in doing that? What, what were some challenges you might have faced in bringing those concepts to the larger screen? You know, um, I think if I have a strength as a director, it's knowing what my weaknesses as a director are. Um, and uh, I, I need help when it comes to visual sensibility, when it comes to composing a frame, when it comes to creating visual interest. Uh, and so I had, our DP, Jeff Cronenwith, our production designer, John Hutman, our costume designer, uh, Susan Lyle. Uh, those, their departments did such a good job um, having those gigantic period cameras uh, and dollies, which when you're standing on the actor side of the camera, um, uh, when, when you're looking out at the audience in the dark and that these, the cameras and dollies have kind of headlights uh, on them, it looks like uh, they look like Wally, um, for the, the Pixar Wally, but a really evil uh, uh, Wally, like Wally's evil twin. It looks like these cameras are coming to murder you. So uh, that was something like I, I, I didn't know going in. Oh, this is going to be something visually interesting. So I would bring Jeff Cronin with around. Look at this. Uh, uh, let's let's get this. Let's make sure uh, that this is in the movie. But uh, yes, I have worked in television and I love the, the history uh, of television. 
Um, and it was nice to be able to, for better or worse, uh, uh, put that in. Uh, and what I mean by for worse, that uh, you know, having a woman be pregnant uh, on television was unheard of, that we can't possibly uh, uh, do that, that kind of thing. And showing that a woman like Lucille Ball, even the most powerful, not the most powerful woman in television, the most powerful person uh, in television, still got pushed around uh, a little bit because she was a woman. Absolutely. I think one of the most interesting things I've read in you talking about the movie is that there wasn't a ton of source material to go off of for, for this movie. So you had the shows, obviously, but there's only three minutes of actual show in the movie. That's right. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, there, you know, there, there wasn't a ton. For, for this most famous of all television shows, uh, there weren't a lot of places to go for research. There was, the first thing I looked for um, uh, you know, and I said, I, I still didn't really know what the movie was about. I just had kind of fallen in love with uh, this structure of having it take place during one production week of I Love Lucy. So I looked around for somebody who worked on I Love Lucy, uh, who could tell me what a week at I Love Lucy was like. There's nobody uh, left. There's nobody left. Uh, the only person actually was Ron Howard, uh, who called me when word got out that I was doing this. He called me just to share some memories of when he was working on the Andy Griffith show and he would come over to the I Love Lucy soundstage for their table reads because he loved hearing the adults curse. Uh, he really, really got a kick out of that. He also told me, and we use this in the movie, though I changed it to somebody else, mm -hmm. that when he re renewed his contract for the Andy Griffith show, uh, he had to sign a loyalty pledge. Uh, you know, we were right in the middle of McCarthyism and this seven-year-old kid had to sign a loyalty pledge, which is what drives um, Bill Frawley crazy in, <laughs> in, in, the, uh, in the opening scene and, and Vivian Vance. Drives Vivian Vance crazy because he had to sign a loyalty pledge. It, signed, it drives Bill Frawley crazy because there might be a communist on the Andy <laughs> Griffith show who's seven years old. <laughs> that Again, the table read scene might be one of my favorite scenes. So we had sort of an interesting idea. I put out a few lines from the scene. I, would wonder, I was wondering if you'd be interested in taking us through the writing and sort of what was going through your mind as you were creating this. Would that be all right? Yeah. Just, um, you know, we're, we're starting out from <clears throat> uh, Lucy. I, I found this scene so interesting because it's both uh, sort of putting into microcosm Lucy's creative vision, which is, you know, we're going to do this. Why, why wouldn't this needs to be this way? Yeah. This needs to be blocked this way. But also her feminism, which is women are just props. Women have feelings and understand what's going on in right. these scenes. Uh, what was going to be so important about this, every time we do see an I Love Lucy moment, a black and white uh, moment, and that, you know, I, I knew we were never going to see a full scene. I didn't want it to be about recreating I Love Lucy, which, you know, they can do on SNL. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I wanted it to be about all those scenes had to take place in Lucy's head. Uh, I wanted it to be about her being a comedic chess master who can, at a table read, uh, visualize what is this joke going to work once it's rehearsed? What's the mechanics of this? Uh, in this case, the logic of uh, of Desi's entrance, mm -hmm. uh, that kind of thing. Cronin with an eye, you know, we created a language for that. Push-ins, tight shots of of a pencil hitting the ground, um, and uh, this was going to be in, in the table read. This was going to be the most important one because it was going to introduce us to that idea mm -hmm. and that vocabulary. Uh, that it's that we're in Lucy's head, that we're not randomly just throwing you, uh, you know, a hit song from, from. I mean, so much of it was about Lucy having respect for the audience that she was 
performing for. I mean, it's sort of giving these people, this is a real person. We need to see what she actually does. Yeah, and she even has the line when she's arguing with Jess Oppenheimer over the logic of it. He says, you think we're saying that uh, Ricky's stupid? And she says, no, I think we're saying the audience is, and that's something they won't soon forgive you for. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Jess Oppenheimer, the executive producer, creator uh, of I Love Lucy, he's reading the stage directions at the table read. Uh, Ricky puts his coat down quietly, tiptoes in back of her, meaning Lucy, reaches around and covers her eyes uh, with her hands. Um, and because it's written in italics, that means it's I Love Lucy now. Um, uh, Ricky says, guess who it is? Lucy says, Bill, Sam, Pat, Ralph. Jess reading a stage direction. Ricky reacts to this. He says, no. Lucy, Ju uh, George, Julius, Stephen. And that's Lucy breaks out of I Love Lucy to say, hang on. Are we supposed to believe that Ricky believes that Lucy really doesn't know it's him? That Ricky believes that Lucy is not only unfamiliar with his voice, which let's not forget has a Cuban accent, but that he really believes there are at least seven other men who routinely walk into their apartment? Um, uh, and this is the first example of where we see Lucy's, first of all, Lucy's understanding of, you know, getting to the logic of it uh, right away. But also, and, and she'll say this in various forms throughout the movie, now, just because this is a broad comedy, um, uh, it doesn't mean that it can defy logic. If it's, you know, she'll say to Madeline later, if it's anything goes, then nothing's funny. Um, uh, it has to be grounded in, in some kind of reality. Uh, and so this is the first taste we get of that. Absolutely. Aaron, thanks so much for your good support. I thought that was great. That's my favorite scene. So I really was, I appreciate you did that. Really Thank appreciate you. it. Thanks a lot. Safe travels. Next up, J.K. Simmons and Nina Arianda. I'm Ted Brown. I'm with The Hollywood Reporter. I'm here today with J.K. Simmons and Nina Arianda, who are playing the legendary roles of William Frawley and Vivian Vance, uh, also known as Fred and Ethel. So, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I want to ask you both first uh, what your relationship was the, with the show, if you had one with the show, uh, gr growing up watching reruns, if you had seen sort of the, the seminal scenes from the show before taking on the roles. Being much older than my counterpart here, I, I, I watched the show... Uh, I mean, not the original. Our show takes place in 52, right? I was born in 55. So I kind of felt like the resident expert on, uh, on uh, you know, all things old during the shoot. And, and like most people, I, I think people, you know, of almost any age feel like they grew up, you know, during that era because it's never not been on TV. So it was always in black and white reruns on my, my grandparents' TV or... or my parents' TV when I was a kid, so. And I was a, I gotta say, I was a big Fred Mertz fan. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Nina? I certainly grew up watching it. And interestingly enough, it, it's kind of in my family. Um, when my family came to the States, um, only one person in the family had a television. So the whole family would get together once a week on this one uncle's TV, and that was the one show they all watched together, which was I Love Lucy, so. Kind of a full circle. Who's the one show the United States of America all watched? I think watched. so, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 60 million people. I mean, putting that into context at the very beginning of the, of the movie, I was like, oh, wow, that's a ton of people. And yeah. they would close stores early because there was no business to be had while the show was airing. For you two playing these seminal secondary roles, but Fred and Ethel were so important to the sort of uh, universe that I Love Lucy existed in. And also playing an off-screen couple that had a lot of tension between them, obviously, and in the room, not a real couple, but sort of in the room together with each other and playing off each other and having this uh, 
not necessarily animosity, but a little bit of antagonism. <laughs> you can say animosity. Yeah. <laughs> what did it mean to have both embodying these roles that had this very important role on the screen, but also these other lives that we're living? How did you prepare to that? What did that mean? How did you do that? How did you do that? <laughs> um, preparing for it, I think everything you need to know is in the script. It's in Aaron's Bible, so to speak. I mean, uh, but... Can you rephrase the I'm sorry, I lost Of course. Yeah. No, no, no problem. Okay. There's this, uh, you're both playing such seminal characters, both on the actual show of yeah. I Love Lucy with Fred and Ethel, but you're also playing this off-screen couple that had to interact with each other, but has a lot of animosity towards one another, obviously. How did preparing for that dual sort of role, how did, how did you do that? How did you prepare for that? So, with Aaron's words, with Aaron's script, anything you need to know is there, you know? Um, and as far as... Fred and Ethel go, um, they are the quintessential supportive characters. And their role is so important because the trouble wouldn't have been as good. Um, the mischief that Lucy got involved in wouldn't have been as good if it weren't for this support and this sort of encouragement to, you know, do things a little worse, be a little sneakier, have a little more fun. So they do play a pivotal role in that. Yeah, and it was, uh, the, I didn't know at all going into it the backstage vibe between uh, Bill Frawley and Vivian Vance, which was less than collegial, um, uh, based on really their their first interaction, where understandably Vivian Vance, you know, showed up at the first table read and went, "Wait, wait, what? This dude is my husband. He could be my grandfather," you know, um, and and Bill kind of took exception to that. So so they, they kind of got off on the wrong foot and never got, never got on to the, the right one. <laughs> but, it, you know, I mean, it, it fueled uh, the comedy, I like to think. Uh, you know, I think it really helped uh, helped fuel it. I mean, both characters, and, and the movie really is about the Ricardos, and it's about the backdrop of all this and sort of how the uh, Desi and Lucy interact with each other. Are you saying the movie's not about the merchant? <laughs> oh. So, no, it is. That's not the movie we made. Yeah, it's, no. We were... Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> but actually, Nina, I wanted to ask you because Vivian plays such an important role. I mean, I didn't realize how close Lucy and Vivian were until we watched the movie and sort of did this research into it. But it's this tension, right? It's that Vivian is both very important in Lucy's life, but also Ethel on stage, on, on screen, needs to play a very supporting role in her life. What was it like preparing for that? How did that sort of, uh, how did he bring that to life? What I think is relatable in that sense is that, and I, said this before, but like, I think a lot of women can relate to this feeling of having your light dimmed, you know, um, it, universally, whether it's professionally or personally. So that lives, I think, in, in many women and probably many people as well. Um, but to prepare for that, um, the, the tension that is between, uh, Lucy and Vivian, it's, it's not out of hate. It's not out of um, anything other than love and I think concern and desperately wanting to see one another. And I think for Vivian, she desperately wants her to see Vivian as herself, not as somebody that she wants her to be in a way. Absolutely. And JK, for you, I mean, Bill Frawley off screen played this very, it's a paternal figure, but it's also the sounding board of grounding Lucy in sort of the work she was doing. What was that like? How did, did you take inspiration from anything? What was it like bringing that sort of relationship to screen when it was very much, you know, Fred is a, is a supporting character in the show, but for Lucy's life off screen, it's this very important grounding factor for her. 
again, like Nina said, I, you know, when you're doing a, a, an Aaron Sorkin script, it's it's really all there laid out for you, you know, and uh, and you just have to bring it off the page the best you can. And and in the research that I did, uh, uh, in addition to learning about this tempestuous relationship, you know, there were several references to, even though Bill Frawley was probably the most private of all these characters uh, off camera, there were there were lots of references to him being kind of like a, the fun uncle to <laughs> Lucille Ball, you know, and uh, and and being a, a good pals with Desi as well. Yeah, so I think that scene in the bar, that scene where I, you know, I say, "Come on, let's go get a drink," um, really encapsulates as Aaron does so brilliantly. You know, he can encapsulate this this entire, you know, twenty year relationship in you know in a in a three-minute scene, uh, you know, walking across the street to get a drink at 10 o'clock in the morning, as people do. <laughs> Some interesting characters in the bar, obviously. Yes, <laughs> I did want to ask about that tempestuous relationship, as you said. How did you both prepare, uh, both individually and as a duo, for bringing that, that relationship to screen, that, Viv that Vivian Vance, Bill Frowley relationship to screen? I mean, really, again, it, it sound, we sound like a broken record, yeah. yeah, but it's just, it's pulling it off the page because it was all there. And, and, and then really it was just the fine tuning of, you know, how, how aggressive and, and how like overtly nasty do you think they could be on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, <laughs> at work and, and, and not disrupt the process, you know, which, which I, I think, uh, I hope, mm -hmm. you know, we found kind of early on the very first day of shooting was the table read scene where where the two of us are just going at it about the Hamer kid and and you know me being sort of deliberately you know obtuse and and her being frustrated with you know everything about me as she has been for you know over a year leading into that yeah. scene um, yeah it was just it was just all there and you get a good actor to play it with and off you go it was so fun finding it sounds odd but finding new frustrations based on just little specific things that JK would do. And I, I much like my wife, in real life. <laughs> but it was just so fun finding these little things that JK would do. And I'm like, the actor was like, that's brilliant. But then I was like, yeah, fuel that, you know, that, that really gets Vivian's go too. So that was a lot of fun. Why do you think Fred and Ethel specifically captured so many people's imaginations? I mean, they were such a vital part of the show. What do you think? Why do you think that legacy is so strong with those two characters? Very relatable, I think, for most of America. Yeah, I think as broad as they were, uh, they were very, you know, very typical Americans, you know, working class people of, of that time and place, you know. And then, you know, both of the actors, you know, with with the, their backgrounds in theater and musicals and vaudeville and all of that, you know, uh, uh, brought that, the kind of elevated uh, uh, style to it that it, that it that it needed, you know, to keep pace with uh, Lucille and Desi. Absolutely. I, I mean, why do you think I love Lucy's show has had such a permanent this sort of permanent legacy that's still influencing shows today? I mean, it's sort of you can feel it in comedies, you can feel it in physical comedy. Why do you think I love Lucy's show has had that sort of legacy to it? Because it's very, very, very good. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's really the, the the best answer I, I think there is to that question. It's it's, and it, and it is time. You know, even though obviously you know, comic style has uh, you know has evolved a lot. It's still you, you you look back on those and you go, yeah, I get why those were funny in 1952, but 
they're all so funny now. You know, it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's timeless for a reason. I thought it was interesting that one of the central points or central sort of uh, motifs in the movie was that this episode was Fred and Ethel fight. Like it was it was an episode that was very much about Fred and Ethel. Uh, did you end up spending a lot of time with that episode in, in particular? I know that Aaron has said that there's only really three minutes of footage of from the actual show in the movie because it's very much about the Ricardos. But did you spend a lot of time with that uh, that scene in particular, that show, that episode in particular? Uh, yeah, yeah, I I know we all did, and and of course there was we shot more of it than than ends up in the final cut, as is usually the case. So, um, and that was I think for all of us, those were really the only times when we were recreating those scenes where you really felt, you know, like you have to do an impression, you have to do, you have to be exactly what Bill Frawley was or Vivian Vance was in that scene, and try to get the same rhythm and the same inflection and the same everything which was you know daunting and 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 challenging but uh, but you know really fun yeah. in its own way too it's a too. huge responsibility but it's a great honor at the same time so there's fun in that and and to be able to look here and mm -hmm. and see that you know see what you've been watching at home in black and white you know and then look at this one and go oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> did either of you have favorite scenes when you were preparing for the movie every day i showed up at work you know mm -hmm. during the you know and and yeah, that which reminds me, it was it was interesting finally seeing the movie, you know, just recently and going, oh, so it's not all about Fred Mertz. There's, right. there's a lot of other stuff going. That's what was going on during those weeks that I wasn't working. Mm -hmm. We were watching Javier be like the musical king, and you know, yeah. all of those all those other things. But I felt like every day that I showed up to work was my favorite scene because there, I mean, there was there was there was no. You know, Deadwood. There were no days of you know we're going to do the shoe leather of you know we're going to we're going to spend the day watching you walk across the street or drive up in a car or those you know I mean every every second on mm -hmm. on camera was uh, was uh, challenging and exciting and fun. Just being on the set was really right? a trip. Mm -hmm. It it was the set was so perfect. It was so beautiful and it was really kind of. Freaky at first when I got on there because I really had a moment of like this is magic, you know. And you know, I did want to ask you. I know that you said there was a lot of like Lucille encouraged a little bit of friction. She encouraged a little bit of tension between uh, Vivian and Bill. And you said you were sort of doing the same thing with J.K., which I think is fascinating. And did you use that to bring some of that energy that Lucy was trying to bring between Bill and Vivian back in the fifties? Oh yeah, I mean, I think just on principle, I think any actor who tries to cause you more trouble mm -hmm. is the finest actor in the world. <laughs> if you're gonna give me more problems, that's just more tools in my box that I get to use. And I mean, every single day, JK was just giving me problems. every problem that I could ask for. And it was- What was he doing? I'm curious now. <laughs> well, one of my favorite things I'll say is, it was actually at the table read. Mm -hmm. And I think you said this was based on research that you had done. But we're all sitting, we're all, everyone's sitting together reading the script and JK is just flipping the pages looking for his next line. Yes, BS, BS, Not my, my line, part. not yeah. my line, not <laughs> my line. And I just turned and I, I almost broke because I thought it was so funny. <laughs> but then I just used it as much as I could to go, again, the actor said, that's genius. And then Vivian, of course, was deeply irritated by not by Bill's not wanting to be a team player. Because you're envisioning yourself in the situation as Clinton next to you, obviously does not care about any other line. Yeah. No, no. 
And then JK would actually do, didn't you say that Bill also would just hold his lines with him? Yeah, after, I, yeah. I don't remember where I read this, but it, it was in, maybe in, I don't know, some book about Lucille or about Vivian, um, that, uh, that, yeah, he would, at the table read, he would separate his pages, and then for the whole week of rehearsals, he would carry around his six pages in his pocket, and who cares about the rest of it? Right. I, I don't have to learn that. It was, it was I, I got to say, it was kind of freeing in a way, and uh, uh, and uh, it might not be the last time I do that. I was going to say, now you can take that with you, right? <laughs> Thank you both so much for the time. This is incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Making the Ricardos. Be sure to check out our other episodes and go see Being the Ricardos on Amazon Prime now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.